our session number seven on our series on revival. We have look, been looking at each and every letter of the word revival. In our first session, we looked at the letter R, which spoke about rekindled love for God. And when we are able to do that, when God's love in us is rekindled, there is a revival. Then we looked at the letter E, which spoke about enthusiasm for worship. We spoke about how the word enthusiasm means in God, entheos. And when we are in God, the reason for our lives is to worship him. There will be enthusiasm in worship. We were also concerned about what worship is all about. Then we looked at the letter B. We spoke about vigilance and prayer, the importance of you know, being actively involved in prayer, being alert in prayer so that we are aware of the enemy's tactics so that we don't fall a prey, but our hearts are remaining aflame. Then we looked at the letter I, which spoke about in-depth Bible study. Not just a surface reading, we said if we want God's word to you know, bring about revival in us, we must be willing to get into God's word and allow God's word to give life to us. Then we looked at the second letter B, speaking about victory over sin. We looked at how God has promised us not just forgiveness for sin, but also victory over sin. And we looked at some of the steps in a, that are necessary for the same. Then we looked at another letter A the last time, affection for others or love for others, where Jesus very clearly says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And that is what you know, brings about revival within the body, which then shows out to the outside world also who we really are. And this evening, we are looking at the last letter, <coughs> L, speaking about life by faith or living by faith. Okay, So let's look at it first of all and understand what is faith. What is faith? The story is told of Martin Luther, okay, who was on his way back home to see his parents. He was in college at that time. And on his way back home, he was caught in the middle of a terrible thunder and lightning storm. Now, Luther as a child, you know, was superstitious. And at that time, it was believed that, you know, during this thunder and lightning, there were demons behind every bush ready to uh, pick up individuals and drag them to hell, you know. And that was the sound you know, of the lightning and the thunder. That's what people believed then. And as a result, Martin Luther was afraid and he was living in fear at this time when this thunder and lightning storm took place. So he lay on the ground looking for a refuge. And in this particular state, he prayed a prayer of deliverance to God and said, God, if you deliver me, then I promise you that I will become a monk. Now, the lightning stopped, you know, the storm ceased, no more thunders. And then, you know, he made a promise, so he kept the promise. So he entered into, you know, a monastery and there began his career of how he can erase sin in his life, of how 
he can through different different things he thought he had to do different works that he thought he had to do by uh, doing that he thought he will get salvation for example he slept on the stone floor in the middle of the german winter without a blanket he thought penances like this would give him salvation but definitely no matter how hard he tried none of his good works was given him giving him any peace or any salvation either till one day when he read romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 where it says i am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of god for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the jew then for the gentile for in the gospel the righteousness from god is revealed the righteousness that is from faith to faith just as it is written the righteous will live by faith so when he read these words the righteous will live by faith what he understood at that time was you know the righteous man will receive the gift of faith so he again when i went on further journeys of you know how he can become righteous what righteous works that he can do but now again it was not really sufficient and then eventually he saw that it was not a righteousness from god and uh, which and you know, grants him and uh, that you know, it is not his own righteousness but it's a righteousness from god which grants him that peace and that salvation it was basically a gift that god was giving to him and once he clicked in his mind you know he hung on to it and that is where his emphasis became the righteous shall live by faith alone faith alone he says it is faith in what god has done for us on the cross accepting that as a free gift through this we get salvation it is not by our works it's not by our penances so that was the turning point in the life of martin luther okay so that's just as an introduction to for us to understand the importance of faith in our lives couple of more thoughts on faith number 1 faith is making real what cannot be seen or sensed with human faculties faith is making real what cannot be seen or sensed with human faculties hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 tells us Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen you don't see it you don't see the reality enough you take that step and then it opens up that's what taking the step of faith is all about you don't see the next step but you take the step and then it you know leads you further secondly living by faith will take our life out of the natural and into the supernatural the natural man thinks by the you know steps that he sees you know it is the sight that determines the next step but the spiritual man supernatural man recognizes that we walk by faith and not by sight so living by faith is trusting god in the unknown even though we do not see it okay so it takes our life out of the and uh, the natural part of it and into the supernatural 
allowing God to revive our hearts, allowing God to work in us, allowing God to go ahead and work for us as well. Thirdly, faith is standing on God's integrity and acting on his promises. Now, when we speak about faith, it's not just a blind leap in the dark, you know. It is a faith on God's promises. God has said it, I believe it, and that settles the matter. When we speak about the the uh, salvation that God has given to us on the cross, you know, we believe that by faith, you know, as the scripture says, if anyone believes in him, then he is passed from death to life. We are still living here in this world, but we recognize this truth. That is what his promise says. His promise says that he'll come and live inside of us. So we take that step of faith. Faith is standing not on faith. Faith is standing not on your own abilities. Faith is standing on God's integrity and his promises. It, believe, it involves believing God's word above all else. And that is why living by faith is the most exciting life anyone could ever know. Life is adventurous because you don't know the next step, you know, but you believe God and you take that step and you see how God proves his promises. Number four, saving faith brings us into the family of God and sustaining faith keeps us there for the rest of our lives. What is saving faith? You know, saving faith is a faith that says, I don't depend on myself to save myself. I cannot do it. I reach out to God. I trust God that he is the one who is able to save me because of what he has done for me on the cross. As we give ourselves to him, that faith saves us. Okay, It's not faith in our works, but faith in God's finished work. And God's sustaining faith keeps us there. Okay. The Bible says he has started the work in you. He is the one who is going to continue to do it. So as we put our hands in the Lord's hands and says, Lord, I am yours, then we continue to trust him till the very end. And that is what is sustaining faith. And number five, faith is not something we simply exercise at salvation and forget about it. But faith is a lifelong process of spiritual growth. Faith you know, is taking God at his word, and that's a constant learning process, constant learning process. So no individual can say, you know, I have now started out my life of faith, and you know, it's all over now. That's all there is to it. I said yes to God. No, it is a continuing, ongoing process. So even this evening, when you're speaking about a life of faith, it is not some event that took place some time back. But it is an ongoing encounter with God, ongoing believing God to do what he has promised to do. And then as we do that, we experience a revival in our hearts and lives. Faith must make a difference. Faith must make a difference. Why do we say faith must make a difference? Because if we are putting our faith in the almighty God, then there has to be a change. There has to be a difference. It was faith in just a, a man. Then you may say it works out, doesn't work out, you know, because the potential of men are definitely limited. 
But when we are speaking about faith in God, then that must make a difference. Hebrews chapter 11 is speaking about the heroes of faith. Okay, And you have a lot of individuals, you know, as the scripture writes it down for us, by faith so-and-so did this, by faith so-and-so did this, by faith so-and-so did this. You know. Faith made a difference in their lives. So let's first of all look at three individuals in whose life faith did make a, a difference. Okay, The first person is Abel. Abel. And from this person, we learn this first principle, without faith, you cannot be accepted by God. Okay, You cannot be accepted by God. We speak about saving faith. When you look at Cain and Abel, Cain brought you know, offering from his crops, but Abel brought a sacrifice. Okay, Now, people may ask, you know, both were good, isn't it? You know, why was one rejected? But obviously, in the Old Testament, when you speak about bringing sacrifices, you know, and the fact that God has accepted Abel's sacrifice, it would imply that uh, now Adam has definitely given information about you know, how to worship God. Now Cain, on the other hand, you know, you know, he is upset that God did not accept his sacrifice. And God very clearly tells us, if he brought the right one with the right attitude, wouldn't I have accepted it? Now what is the symbolism of what is the understanding between Cain and Abel's sacrifice. Okay, Cain's sacrifice or Cain's offering represents you know, individuals who make up their own religion you know, and say, by this I can reach up to God. If I make this offering, I will reach up to God. Whereas Abel's offering decides about how do we reach up to God? The only way that God has said you can reach up to me. So without faith, we cannot be accepted by God. God accepts us not on the basis of our good works versus bad works. God accepts us purely on the basis of our faith in what God has done for us, the finished work of Christ. Okay. Now, in today's world, if you notice, in a lot of people are believing what they want and doing what they want and thinking what they want. They are making up their own religion. Religion is basically man's attempts to reach God. That's why we have so many religions in this world. But when you're speaking about Christianity, it is God reaching down to man and saying, this is the pathway. I am the way. And by faith, we accept that. And when we believe that, the Lord says, you are now mine. You belong to me. You're part of my family now. So without faith, you cannot be accepted by God. Now, remember, this faith has to be in Jesus. Okay, It's not just faith in God. Not just faith in God. Remember Jesus on the night you know, that he was you know, betrayed in John chapter 14, when the disciples are all troubled. He turns to them and says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He does not say you believe in God, full stop. He says you believe in God, believe also in me. How would our hearts not be troubled? It is only when we look at what Jesus has done for us, when we know the future that he has in store for us, then we are able to be at peace. Then we have that relationship, fellowship. So when you're speaking about faith, we must be careful because you know, 
lot of people will say that we have faith. Yes, everybody has faith. When you're sitting on a chair, you have faith that the chair will hold you. But that is not going to give you salvation, okay? When you're speaking about faith, it is speaking about faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in the finished work of Christ. The object of your faith is very, very important, okay? <laughs> Secondly, without faith, you cannot please God. You cannot please God. Without faith, you cannot be accepted by God, the first stage. Second stage, without faith, you cannot please God. If you notice in verses 5 and 6, we read about Enoch. We read about Enoch. And then the Bible says, you know, God and Enoch walked together. And one fine day, you know, the Lord took him. So that is a symbolism of a journey that we take, okay? Here on earth, life is a journey. It is a faith journey, okay? And in the faith journey, what God wants us to do is to live a life that pleases God. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 speaks about how God has put eternity into our hearts. The French philosopher Blaise Pascal said, that in a, uh, inside every individual, there's a God-shaped vacuum, God-shaped vacuum. St. Augustine said, O Lord, you have made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So life is a journey, rest, but the journey has to lead us to God. The scripture tells us when, Eli, you know, when Enoch walked with God, when did he start walking with God? After the birth of his son, Methuselah. Okay, son was born, and then the scripture tells us Enoch walked with God. Okay, so if you are going to live a life of faith, it has to be you know, a life that pleases God. Okay, right throughout this journey, so that you know, at the end of our journey, the Lord takes us home, okay? For Enoch and for Elijah, they didn't die. They were just taken up. But for you and I, we do die, you know? So life continues on in this world, you know, a life that pleases God. Life is a journey. And when we are living by faith, we have that assurance that this is not going to be the end or death is not going to be the end. Life will continue on. The journey continues on for all eternity. John Stott put it across this way, that death is a trivial episode to the believer. Death is a trivial episode to the believer. It's just a small, a small portion, if you were to say, on our journey in our walk with God. So it starts by faith. It continues by faith. Thirdly, we have the example of Noah in verse 7, okay, where we learn about without faith, we cannot stand against the world. Without faith, you cannot stand against the world. When we are living in this world, God gives us a task to do, a task to do against the forces of this world. Remember, God told Noah to build an ark, okay? And he said, it's going to rain. They have never seen rain before. They have never seen this ark before. And Noah had to preach to them to say, it's going to rain so much that the entire world will be filled with water. You're all going to perish. But what did Noah do? Okay. 
Did he say, hey, that's ridiculous and uh, nobody is going to believe me, so I'm not going to do it. No, he continued to do it. For how long? A hundred and twenty years. A hundred and twenty years. He faithfully preached and he built. Preached and he built. Even though nobody wrestled. Even though many people would have ridiculed him. He continued year after year, year after year. Believing God for things that he has not seen. That is what faith is. God told him to build an ark. He did it. God told him to preach. He said, this is what's going to happen. He continued to do that. And as a result of one man, the entire world were not saved, but only his family were saved. God expects us when we are living in this world, he wants us to take a stand of faith in this world that is opposing God's pattern. And if we are willing to do that, when this world perishes, because that's what the Bible says is going to happen, you know, we are going to be kept safe. That's the faith that we have and we stand on that. So faith makes a difference, makes a difference. Without faith, you cannot be accepted by God. Without faith, you cannot please God. Without faith, you cannot take a stand against this world. Okay, It is only God who enables us to do that. And when we do that, when faith becomes a serious issue to us, then we make a difference. We make a difference. Like Abel, it may be cost of our lives. Okay, Like Enoch, it could be a fantastic supernatural life. Okay, Or like Noah, it could be the struggle of 120 years doing nobody else responding. But faith does make a difference. So the question we must ask ourselves this evening is, do we have that type of faith? Okay, Are we living by that faith? And in order to do that, let's move further and ask ourselves, what is living by faith? And we look at one example of Abraham, an example of Abraham, again, in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's learn some principles from his life about what is a life of faith. Number one, living by faith means accepting God's call without knowing where it will lead. Accepting God's call without knowing where it will lead. Taking the first step, not knowing the final destination. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8 tells us, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now remember, Abraham was a city dweller. You know, sometimes when you think about Abraham, we think about you know, he in the rural countryside. No, Ur of the Chaldees, if you were to say, was a world-class city at that time. Archaeologists tell us that in Abraham's day, perhaps 250,000 people lived there. It was a center for mathematics, a center for astronomy, com commerce, and philosophy. And people from the surrounding areas came to Ur because they wanted to be a part of that great city. What did God tell him? God said, leave this city, leave these bearings, okay? And Abraham took that step. When Abraham left Ur, he burned his bridges behind him. There was no turning back. Once he left the walls of Ur, he was on his own, following God's call to the unknown. 
to the unknown. What is living by faith? When God calls, there's no guarantees about tomorrow. Abraham did not know where he was going, didn't know how he would get there, did not know how long it would take, and he didn't even know for sure how he would know he was there when he got there. All that he knew was God had called him. And that is what living by faith, taking that first step is all about. It is taking a step outside of our comfort zone. It is taking a step in a, into the unknown. Not enough because we want to prove something, but because God has called us. He is asking us to take that step. You know? And when we take that step, without any guarantees or certainty about the future and leave the results to God, leave the results to God. Does God took you know, a foolish step? Let me show him and punish him. No, not at all, isn't it? When we take a step by faith, then we are able to see what God can do in and through our lives. It was D.L. Moody who was challenged by this statement when he was sitting at a meeting. The world has yet to see what God can do in and through and for a man who is totally dedicated to God. And D.L. Moody said, if the world has yet to see that individual, I would like to be that individual. He took that call. He took that step. And they say D.L. Moody's grammar, his English was not all that great, but he believed God and God used him mightily. What is preventing you from taking that step? Are you too comfortable in the Ur of the Chaldees? You know this is what God wants you to do. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should leave cities and go somewhere else. No. You know, if God is speaking and asking you to do something, you know, don't put it off. Don't say that, you know, and I, this is too comfortable. I don't want to move ahead. Learn to step out in faith and see what God is able to do. Number two, living by faith means waiting for God to keep his promises. All that we have is his promises and we hold on to that. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 9 tells us, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Living by faith means, you know, you hang on, trusting God for the fact that he has told you he will keep his word. And remember, it is not just Abraham, you know, his, his children, his children, okay, they were all heirs of that same promise, and they also continued to live in those tents till they got into the promised land. Now, all of us want to be in a place where we want to you know, be settled down. We speak about this is my permanent home. But living by faith basically means, you know, don't put your tent pegs too deep. Don't call something your own and hold on to it. Learn to be willing to move ahead because moving has a way of making us feel unsettled, uprooted. Okay, That is why we don't want to do it, isn't it? It makes us uncomfortable. Tents speak about impermanence, something that is not permanent or of the possibility of moving at any moment, of the fact that you are living on land that you do not personally possess. That is what living in tents is all about, isn't it? Now, that's what Abraham did. But why did he live in tents? 
because that was a promise that God said he's going to show him the place. This was not the final end. That is what living the, by faith is all about. How often you know, individuals today put their tent pegs too deep in this world, all their treasures, all their investments are all in this world, thinking that this world is the final thing. No, this is not the final destination. This is a temporary place. God is preparing for us an eternal place. Now, how long that will take place? God's timetable is different to our timetable, and we need to hold on to his promises and keep trusting him. Who knows what will happen tomorrow? But the one thing that we do know is God has gone before. The one thing that we do know is that God will definitely keep his word. If he has said, he will definitely keep his word. And that was the encouragement that Jesus gave to the disciples in John chapter 14. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back again and take you to be with me so that, you know, you and I will be together forever. That is what faith is all about. Living by faith is don't hold on here. Move ahead. Have a hope in the future, in the heaven that he has in store for you. That is why the third important thing, lesson from Abraham's life is living by faith means never taking your eyes off heaven. Now you may say, was Abraham looking forward for heaven? Look at verse 10. What does it say? It says, for he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Looking for a city with foundations. Okay, that is what he was looking for. Okay, a, a place of security and permanence, a place that things would not crumble down and a place which was created by God, created by God. Abraham knew that that is his final destination. That's why we speak also about in a heaven at times as a promised land. That's what God has promised to us. So don't keep your eyes here on earth. If you keep your eyes here on earth, you and I begin to walk by sight, walk by sight, walk by sight. But if we recognize, no, this world is not our home. We are just passing through. We are only pilgrims. Our eyes are on heaven. Then we begin to live lives of faith, trusting God for the future. Let's look at some steps that we can take, practical steps on how to live by faith. Number one, you must provide promises for your faith to function. Whose job is to construct a furniture, you know, what will he do if there's no wood available, if there's no materials available? He is going to get the materials. Unless he has the materials, he cannot function, isn't it? You know? Similarly, you know, it is with faith. Unless we have the materials, our faith is not going to be functional. So what is the material that faith makes use of, like the carpenter makes use of wood? It is definitely the truths of God's word, the truths that are contained in God's word, and more specifically, the promises that are contained in God's word. So as a result, two important rules over here. Okay, How can we make sure that we are able to get the materials together? Rule number one, labor to learn God's word with daily devotions and study. The more we fill our minds with God's word, faith is built up in us. The scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? 
hearing by the word of God. So as we study God's word, as we put God's word into our minds and lives, then we find that faith is built up in us. Okay. Proverbs speaks about, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide or overseer or ruler, provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Okay. Get ready for the winter during the summertime. Okay. There could be times that would come in the future when you're not able to, you know, sort of maybe remember scripture or read scripture. What's going to happen to you? What is stored in your mind is what is going to help you. That is going to be the raw material for your faith to function. So as a result, when you and I are healthy and able, we must use our time wisely to read and study God's word, to feast our, uh, our minds on the truths of scripture, to store up, as it were, if you were to say, for the winter time that would come. Again, okay, how do we do that? Memorizing God's word is definitely a key. If you notice, you know, in Egypt, they are the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. What did they do in the seven years of plenty? They stored it together so that it was of use in the seven years of famine. And that's what God wants us to do. If our faith has to function, build your materials from God's word. Rule number two, labor to build a reservoir of personal experiences in relying upon the promises of God. David wrote in Psalm 119 verse 52, I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. When we have stored God's word in our hearts, in our, when we have held on to certain promises, and we have seen how God has worked in our lives, that becomes, if you were to say, a milestone that we have put in. That becomes like in a, a memory bank you know, of experiences that God has taken us through, which helps us to move ahead. If you notice, the Bible speaks about Mary. Mary you know, treasured all these things in her heart. You know? It was her memory bank that took her through the tough times, the tough situations. This is what God has done. This is what God has promised. So similarly, in our own lives, if we have to, you know, for our faith to function, we must not only study God's word so that these promises are part of us, and as those promises are fulfilled, as they have become you know, operational in our lives, we are building up a reservoir of experiences. This is what I was going through this particular situation. I was sick. God healed me. I was without a job. God gave me a job. I was down and out and depressed. And, uh, and these words came into my mind from scripture and that encouraged me. God took me through different, different situations and uh, tight corners, tough spots. All those become in you know, a sort of a memory bank for us you know, to continue to function in faith. Okay. Number two, you know, is you must prepare your faith to function. You must prepare your faith to function. A person can say he has saving faith, but does not that does not mean that he has faith that is very, very strong. Jesus once said to his disciples in Luke chapter 24 and verse 25, O fools and slow of heart to believe. O fools, slow of heart 
to believe. So it is not enough to have faith. We must also train our faith, train our heart, you know, to believe quickly, to believe quickly. Thomas Cooker, this is what he wrote. He said, it is with the hand of faith as it is with the hand of the body. If it is numbed, stiff, or frozen, a man must rub it or warm it before he can hold anything. So it is with the hand of faith. For faith is the hand of the soul. It takes hold of that mercy which God has provided for us in Christ Jesus. Now faith is sometimes numbed and stiff through carelessness and looseness. Therefore it is not enough for a man to have faith, but he must exercise and stretch his faith so that he may more freely take hold of the promises of life and receive comfort from them. So, faith has to be prepared. If our faith is not functional, moving, you know, over a period of time, parts of our body, for example, if you put our hand in, a, in some cold weather, ice, and you know, it becomes numb, it cannot you know, function properly. You need to exercise that. You know, and that's what we need to do even in our faith. Otherwise, when there's a problem that comes in, we won't be quick and agile to release faith from our lives, you know, but we may become numb with fear. You know. That is a possibility. So, if you have to live by faith, we must keep our faith exercised. How do we do this? Three things. Number one, you need to work to maintain the faith that you have. You need to you know, work to maintain the faith that you have. When you look at the tides that come in the sea, you know, the tide comes in and then goes back also, isn't it? So it is important that we, you know, we keep it there. Okay? Our faith can rise and our faith can also fall. Faith can also be called as a weapon that must be cleaned and serviced in order to function properly. Okay, Whether it's a car that you are using, it must be serviced. Whether it's a weapon of warfare that you are using, it has to be serviced. So maintenance is very, very important. So simple thing, you know, how can you make sure that, you know, your car that you have, you know, is maintained, you know, properly. Do not allow it to remain idle for a long time. You know, you'll say you have to go and start the car. Don't allow it, the battery to die, you know, to die down, okay? So we need to keep using it, keep using it. That is how it becomes, you know, operational. Maintenance is very, very important. Even similar to any instruments, you know, tunings have to be done. We need to use it. Then only it can function well. So in order for faith to function well, in order for faith not to become numb, in order for faith to respond quickly, you know, rather than be numb with fear, if we have kept our weapons, if we have kept our faith, continuously maintained by using it in small, small events. When the big events come, we are definitely ready. Number two, you need to work at being still in your heart and soul. A second important thing for faith to be powerful and active to respond immediately, <clears throat> look at what Moses did when he directed the children of Israel to do when they were fretful and nervous even though they were being delivered from the Egyptians by God. What did he tell them? Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13, he says, Fear not, stand still, 
see the salvation of God, which he will show to you this day. What happens when we don't have faith, when we become numb with fear, we can get all agitated instead of being relaxed and allowing God to do his work. So preparing for faith is also in these situations, not getting overreacted and doing and doing and doing, but to stop and allow God to do his work. You notice in the Psalms, for example, in Psalm 42 and verse 40 and Psalm 43, the psalmist asked this question, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? The word that is used there for disquieted within me is a murmuring, you know, the voices that are you know, agitating inside. The psalmist says, why are you doing that? He says, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Hope in God. Put your trust in God. Be still and see what God is going to do. Stand still and see the salvation of God. Now again, for a lot of people, that is a difficult thing to do. We want to do something to prove that we are able to do it. But once you have put this maintenance principle, okay, your heart is agitated, you stand still, you say, Lord, this is your problem, not mine. I trust you for it. And see how God is going to deliver you. That then becomes a one more milestone in your memory bank. Third rule, you need to work now on what you will do then. Okay. In other words, you need to prepare. Prepare. What happens you know, if your car has a puncture? You know, what will you do? You, you don't suddenly, when the puncture happens, then you decide, okay, do I have the tools? Do, you know, where do I go? No, you are already prepared. If something happens, you have the tools, you know how to do it, or you know where to take it for getting that done. So prepare ahead for any problems that will take place. Don't wait for you know, you know, the thing to be uh, pulled under you. Don't wait till you get into such a, a mess you know, when you don't know what to do. Prepare yourself for any eventualities. What will happen if some problem comes into your life? Okay, definitely, yes, you will say, I will pray. But more than that, you know, you know, prayer with the action. That is how faith is developed. Okay, if there's a sudden you know, calamity, sudden illness, what would you do? Yes, you would pray, but you'd also take some steps to, you know, rush the person to the hospital or do whatever is necessary at that particular immediate junction. So you need to work on that now, okay? What will happen if there is you know, somebody who is going to question your faith, you know? Ask those questions now so that your faith is not, you know, you know, you will not grow weary, okay? Number three, you must direct your faith to function. You must direct your faith to function. In other words, it is not just a passive thing, but it's a very active thing. You don't you know, just wait for things to happen, but you make things happen. Okay, How do you do that? Simple principles. Number one, look always to others than yourself. Look always to others than yourself. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23 says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps, okay? 
you know, look to others, you know, to say, Lord, it is you who directs my steps, it is not me. Listen to his voice, take those steps. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I recognize I cannot do it. I trust in God. He has given himself for me. And as a result, now I begin to look for opportunities so that I can make this faith functional in the lives of others by sharing the good news with them, by helping them in their time of need, so that I'm no longer thinking about myself, but I'm now thinking about others. Rule number two, take God's promise to your heart. That is, personalize it and make it your promise. Make it your promise. In Genesis chapter 45, we read about how Jacob is told that Joseph, the son he thought for many years was dead, was still alive. Joseph is yet alive and he's governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Okay. They told him he didn't believe. Then when they saw, if you were to say, the personal vehicle that he had sent, you know, to say, hey, this is the car that I have sent, you know, for you to come back home, you know, to be with me, that is something that changed his mind, you know, it brought life to him. So there are a lot of promises in God's word, isn't it? You know, but learn to personalize them, that this is not just God's promises, that this is his individual promise that he has made to you. And when you do that, when you personalize these promises, then rule number three comes into operation. God's promise delivers us. Our God's promises help us to live the life of faith. When the promise gets hold of us, then we see the sufficiency and the authority and the applicability of that particular promise. And that is what takes us through in this life. Think for a moment in the parable of the lost sheep. What do the lost sheep do? Nothing. It was the one who left the 99 so that he might find the one lost sheep. Okay, and so it is. When you and I have some skill at walking by faith, we know that the actual deliverance comes only from God. When you're speaking about life of faith, it is not to say, now I know how to live. You know, yes, we know how to live. How? By depending on God alone. God alone. The skill to live by faith, okay, which skill I do not claim to possess a great deal of, can be acquired and honed by doing these things that we have spoken. You know, first, we must provide promises for our faith to function. Second, we must prepare our faith to function. And third, we must direct our faith to function. And as we do this, as we continue to journey in our life of faith. None of us can say, now, yes, I've reached this point now. I have total, total faith. We are learning. But as we learn, let's build up memory banks. Let's make sure that we have you know, personalized these promises, applied them into our lives, you know, memorize these promises. And as we do that one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time, till we reach the final point here on earth, 
and from that point into the future as well, because God says that I have promised that I have kept a place for you. So let's be individuals who look forward to live this type of life. Here on earth, living in the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Couple of application questions this evening. <laughs> Number one, what are some different ways people define faith in our culture? If you notice, all the people say, I have faith, I have faith, you know. How do people define faith in our culture? And what is the difference between this and biblical faith? Okay. Number two, when you speak about Abraham's faith, it was responsive since he obeyed the call. It was sacrificial you know, because he gave up all to follow that call. It was courageous because he was going to a strange land. It was persistent because he and his offspring faced many challenges on their way to Canaan. And it was also dependent. He had to depend on God to follow through. As for Abraham, God's promise of so many offspring was fulfilled only after his death. What is the most difficult thing God has called you to do? And which of these five aspects of faith listed above? Responsive, sacrificial, courageous, persistent, dependent. You know, which of these you know, do you find most challenging? And what promises do you look forward to which may be fulfilled? may not be here on earth, and I may be fulfilled here on earth, but only after your death, okay? Number three, is there an area of your life right now where you need biblical faith to persevere and endure? Is there an area that you are going through right now where you need to live by faith, where you need to take a step like Abraham did? And if so, this evening, if God has spoken to our hearts, let's be willing to take that step. Let's be willing to step out by faith and see what God is able to do. Not only would it revive our hearts because we're living on the promises of God's word. God has said it. Let me see what's going to happen. Life becomes an adventure. But also because of that, countless other lives are also benefited. Think about because of what Abraham did. It became a big nation, isn't it? That's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to revive us and make our lives a blessing to others as well. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.